the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, a nostalgia junkie, Jamie Dyer, a vinyl collecting rockabilly guitarist, podcaster, and YouTuber who is here to talk about not only his podcast, 90s and Naughties, but also a crush from his childhood, Melissa Joan Hart, aka Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Jamie, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Kendra. How are you? I'm doing good. I just woke up about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that time difference is something else, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've gone <laughs> a whole day into life and I'm barely starting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when we first connected, I was on your podcast, I am mine. Um, you mentioned a little crush you had on Charlie Dimmock. I know that she's not who we're talking about today and she's someone that probably everyone over in the UK knows but she's not someone we know over here in the state but I think she's kind of um when I thought about it your crush on her was maybe like my crush on Mr. Rogers she was just it was like innocent and just someone that you sort of saw every day as a kid do you say that's right yeah I would say that that's that's a good way of putting it yes like, there was nothing, like, you don't want to marry, like, I didn't want no. to marry Mr. Rogers, but I was like, he's comforting. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But I have seen younger pictures of him, and I would have married him in the 70s. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's handsome. He looks like, um, kind of reminded me when he was younger of my husband, one of the oncologists in my husband's clinic very handsome yes i i have seen a few early mr rogers and i know what you mean (laughs) now you also noted to me that you grew up attending class in the more special need programs and because of that your mentality towards crushes and sex were more childlike in many ways even when you started to hit that age when hormones are raging for everyone so did you grow up sort of not really expressing your feelings towards anyone at school well, I, I think so. I, I think uh, it was very, um, I mean, uh, you would call it elementary. We call it primary and senior is secondary here. Uh, so uh, basically primary and secondary were pretty much the same in terms of kind of how we looked at stuff. So it was very, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, but nothing really beyond that. Um, it, it always kind of stood to a point, but I didn't realize that until a lot later when I attended college and then later university, um, where again, I'm not quite sure how it works in your schools, but in ours, most of them, you have to wear a uniform. You go to college and university, uh, you're not wearing uniforms anymore and things start to, um, become clear. For me, um, I had uniforms in middle school, so 6th, 7th, 8th grade, but it wasn't like, you know, Catholic school or anything. It was literally, you wear slacks, like khaki, or like a polo shirt of the school colors. It wasn't anything too strict. 
Yeah, I mean, everything's everything's pretty equal. So let's get to Melissa Joan Hart. Have you happened to read her book, Melissa Explains It All? I haven't. No, when did that when did that come out? Um, I want to say Melissa and Joey was out. I think. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it would be about 2010, 2011, then somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yes. I think I found it at um, like a thrift store. I didn't buy it new for sure. But I asked because she kicks off her boy crazy teen year chapters by saying, teen girls are like hormone CNN, all thy thoughts all the time. And I found that interesting as we're chatting today. And she was sort of your first in regards to gravitating towards someone. What was it about her that made her the one at the time? Well, I I think uh, the one thing to note was I'm not sure I was watching many programs with uh, the opposite sex in. And so, um, especially not in the lead role like that. And I spent a lot of time watching the show that she was in, Sabrina. And I I guess, I mean, that, that show had a lot of young female actresses in it that I think you could all say were possibly somebody's first crush somewhere um you know it's very um i don't know um you'll you'll have to guide me a little bit more i'm afraid (laughs) like were like was it so you were watching sabrina so was it was it like her magic was it her being a cool like i think often our first crushes in that regard like i love zach morris from my um sorry say by the bell because he was like older and cooler (laughs) so maybe that was it yeah, perhaps. I mean, um, I, I mentioned about other other actresses in that thing. I mean, the uh, just to kind of make a comparison, I guess in in that show, I don't know how much you've you've seen of it, but obviously oh, she was. <laughs> yeah, me too. She was the the good character, and then in the early seasons, you had Jenna Lee Green as Libby, mm. who's kind of the bad character. And I, I guess it's kind of like uh, it's like two sides, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, y- you know, as you get older, you kind of want that nice person. You want the Sabrina. Um, but there's always a bit of you that says, maybe I can go for the bad one, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I don't think it was the the magic thing. I think it was just, I didn't see a lot of females on TV, certainly in the lead role, as I said. And her character was very bright, very bubbly. It was a very funny show that obviously threw away its source material. Um, so it was basically, you know, it kickstarted my love affair with American sitcoms. I mean, it was uh, one of those shows that was sort of, it was everywhere, um, especially over here. When, uh, uh, did it air around the same time it was airing over here? Did you get it a little later? Um, no, it aired about the same time. I want to say that it was on the Disney Channel first for some reason. And then it moved over to Nickelodeon later. And it was also on our terrestrial channel, so on one of the main channels as well in the afternoon. It was quite a big show. And I don't know how much you know about sort of British TV culture, but we're a little bit picky about American shows on British television. Um, there's this rumor that American TV is very loud, very brash, very in your face. And to be honest, I think Sabrina managed to surpass all of that snobbery. 
all loud brash. That sounds very American <laughs> <laughs> in all things. Um, did you have like full, did like she jumpstart any like taking maybe full house over Family Matters, any of the other shows from her era? I don't think so. Oh. I think it was it was just shoved in the kids slot on on uh, the the national channel, um, possibly at like half past four in the afternoon, and occasionally it was on a Saturday morning as well in pieces, because they they have they used to have like these three hour shows that were like studio bits, so people mucking about throwing pies at each other and stuff, and then in between they show bits of a program over that three hours, and so. Sabrina was one of those, so it's, it's probably a slightly different take on it than the way that you guys were broadcasting it. So, you know, I, I saw it perhaps in a different way to most people um, that would have seen it. Yeah, we had I'm in Truth Forcer. We had TGIF, which you waited all week for this. It was on Friday nights on Channel Seven or wherever ABC. So it's a Disney-owned property. And it had Boy Meets World and Full House. It had an array of shows that were very family friendly. But like you waited, it was like the best thing. It's like school was also over for the week. And you had Saturday morning cartoons the next day. But TGIF, you were like, this is my jam. And my favorite thing about TGIF shows, well, back in the day, since they're Disney owned, is every show went to Disneyland or Disney World. And that was always my favorite episode. <laughs> All I remember was Sabrina went to Disney World and her aunts were, yeah, I think they turned into animals. Something turned into an animal in the yeah. I think something turned into something yeah. um, in that show. That was pretty much every other episode, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, her aunts, no, her aunts were cool, but they, like, a caveman came to life. That was their thing. They were, like, with a caveman. I don't know. It got wild. Sabrina was a wild show. <laughs> so, did you ever go back and watch, like, uh, Melissa Joan Hart and Clarissa Explains It All? Were you able to, like, go back and watch those? Well, unfortunately, um, I don't think they were broadcasting them uh, when I finally had the means to, um, you know, the channels that they would have been on. I maybe caught like one episode about 10 years ago when they were going through their kind of retro phase. But other than that, it was never really broadcast um, because I think Sabrina was kind of that one shot thing here. And maybe Clarissa had been shown a couple of times, but no, I, I haven't seen too much of it. That's interesting because you mentioned Sabrina was the first show you watch with kind of a female lead. And I think that's what she's known for here because there wasn't a lot of female led shows for kids. And Clarissa actually, I think, showed the studios that a teenage girl could lead a show like that. So that broke the mold. Then they went on to have Alex Mack and so forth and so on. And I think that's really, when you get into it, why we have Lizzie McGuire and then Hannah Montana and so forth and so on. So thank you, Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> now, did you ever get jealous of Sabrina's relationship with Harvey or were you more enamored with their love story? I think I was possibly the latter, even if I didn't realize it. Because you get caught up in, in stories don't you you get caught up in this thing and and uh, i got very it got very annoying because I, I remember a while back i went back and watched the whole thing from front to back and 
I remember that uh, in the, those middle seasons, because it ran for a long time, it's like six Ooh. seasons or something, uh, which to be honest, was it was like two seasons too much. <laughs> you know, she should have gone to college, had one season with that, with the new characters and, and then be done. But she had all these, she had like maybe two or three boyfriends in between. And it was like, this This is kind of getting away from what made it great in the first place. And then suddenly, one episode, Harvey pops up again. And you're like, well, I pretty much know where this is going to go now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wait until... I'm sorry if no one's seen it, but they wait until the last episode to pull it. <laughs> you know, to pull it off. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, the college years are definitely where it starts lagging for me. But I did, like, during, I think last now when I, maybe a couple years ago, I did watch it all the way through. And one of my, you know, you pick a show to just, like, be like, all right, this is the one I'm going to watch right now. And uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really like the Call of Years as much. I didn't like any of the boyfriends because I was waiting for Harvey. I was like, wow, where'd you go? <laughs> then that actually that's one of my favorite series finales is Sabrina because it's just so beautiful and you're like oh my god they're little moon rocks and then they play the no doubt song and it actually aired on my birthday whatever year it aired it's April 24th I was like ah, it's meant to be and they're one of my favorite tv couples yeah I, I mean the the chemistry between those two was Nate, Nate Richard and uh, Melissa Joan Hart, the chemistry between them was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm always surprised they never did any kind of spin-off. And unfortunately, they've left it perhaps a little bit too late uh, to do anything like that now. And like um, when she did go on to do Melissa and Joey, I know Aunt Zelda appeared on the show. And she is still friends with her college, the two female college roommates. I see her like shout them out on her Instagram and stuff. But I'm like, where was Harvey? Why couldn't Harvey appear on Melissa and Joey? Oh my God. I get maybe because like she was, you know, they had the will they won't they with Joey. So they probably didn't want to bring Harvey into it and mess it up. Yes, I think it would. They might have got away with it in the early seasons when it was just kind of uh, will they won't they but she was still kind of doing other things they were involved with other stuff um but later on once they got them together that that's completely a a no-go and you just knew at some point when watching that show that uh one of joey's brothers was going to be involved now i was waiting for i was like did you watch his show with his brothers did that air over there brotherly love no (laughs) yes they own i don't know where their parents were but they were brothers, and I think they lived above like a car garage that Joey owned. Andrew was very young, and then Matthew was, of course, the cutest as can be. Oh my God, he's like a '90s icon crush right there. But yeah, it was on the Disney Channel, I believe. It was pretty good. Because he he did uh, he did Boy Meets World as well, didn't he? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which oh my goodness, those later seasons. Uh, my wife and I watched those recently. And those later seasons, I mean, the early ones are great. It's 90s. It's it's a bit, you know, uh, very nostalgic. But those later ones where it kind of turns into a friend's wannabe <laughs> is amazing. Utterly amazing. Uh, we're currently partaking in a rewatch about 12 months after we um, last did it because it was just like, this is so underrated. Uh, I did feel slightly uncomfortable the amount of whooping and cheering they did towards Lawrence on that show, <laughs> considering he was, you know, basically a teenager. 
a little bit uncomfortable, but... You know, what always bugs me, though, about like, Boy Meets World, though, is they're really inconsistent in the storytelling. Like, when, like, the Penguin Court, they're like, oh, they were together forever, and then, like, oh, they had their first kiss, like, on the playground at five, but no, their first kiss is when we saw them when she pushes them against the locker in sixth grade. And also, like, Corey was super into, like, baseball in the earlier seasons, and he, like, never cares about the Phillies after that. Yeah, they don't. They don't know. And I hate the the switch with Eric. That's probably the biggest thing for me. Like, he was so cool. And then I guess maybe it's not a switch. He, like, peaks in high school, and then he becomes this, like, crazy loser once he's bad. (laughs) That always bothered me. Like, I was like, oh, you played Eric so bad. Well, I I mean, maybe it was just that I, I, based on the TGI Friday shows that you've mentioned, maybe they were all pretty much the same in that regard. Like maybe there were inconsistencies across the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I could go back and look at them all and see what was wrong. You should check out um, Step by Step if you haven't. That's one that I don't feel aged as well. Like, Boy Meets World, I think you can watch today. You could sit it down with any kid, and they would fall in love with it. But there's some shows from that lineup I don't think play well. I'm like, Step by Step is one of those. It's kind of like, have you heard of that one? I've heard of it, yeah, but I've never seen it. It's like a modern-day Brady Bunch, basically. She brings some kids, he brings some kids, live together, but they also have this weird cousin named Cody who lives in a van in the backyard. I'm selling it for you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, number one, I want to see that show. And (laughs) number two, I feel very, uh, it's, it's very interesting, the gap here, because we started off talking about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Melissa Joan Hart, and of course the fact that although she is known for Clarissa here, it really is Sabrina that I think most people would know her for here. And a lot of those other shows didn't really make it here, other than perhaps a couple of showings on the Disney Channel if they were Disney owned. Um, But for you, there are, you know, there are hundreds of those shows that are probably all quite successful in their own right. For us, there's very few. We ha- yes, and you know you pick and choose. I think it's just because they were blocked together, so your mind kind of just once you think of one, you're like, oh yeah, that one and that one and that one and that one, and they all had like I think someone you could crush on. <laughs> Which yeah, like I I would I would agree with that. Um, I mean, you were saying earlier about kind of cameos in other shows, and I think didn't Melissa do a cameo in Boy Meets World? Am I remembering that? Um, yes, because one time, <laughs> Salem, he like swallowed this like little time travel ball thing, and they mm-hmm. made it where he would go through um, all four uh, shows on the block. Mm-hmm. So he, Boy Meets World, and then when he went there, they went to like, I want to say the World War One era. I might, I'm not a history buff, so I, um, maybe that I can see Sabrina or Topanga's hair. And then they went to the 70s. Um, yeah, so he kind of time traveled, and I think Sabrina had to go find him. But I know Sam went to all four. I have, uh, I have a, a, a vague recollection of that being a thing. That those episodes were always my least favorite. It's like you're getting away from the from the whole premise. It was all just like um, a promotion. 
and they would have um but my favorite thing i love the cameos of sabrina when they were like musicians because the backstreet boy episodes my favorite where they drink the talent juice at the yeah the bands that one they're only at the end for like 0.2 seconds but it was like made my life as a kid i mean yeah it was that that was pretty bizarre um that thing i mean yeah you're right the musician um cameos mainly for no reason i mean davy jones from the monkeys was in an episode for some reason you have like you said your least favorites were when they kind of got away from it what is do you have a favorite sabrina episode wow i mean that's considering there were like you know five six seasons (laughs) you tend to only remember like single gags i suppose i mean the one that springs to mind is the the rapunzel reference when she was locked in the tower mm-hmm. um that was pretty memorable um i think everybody loved the family secret stuff and again the idea even they were playing with the good and bad thing um by giving her an evil twin mm-hmm. uh which was always very interesting um and yeah i i don't know actually it's it, that is so hard because uh in britain british series have got six twelve episodes in total uh you know over two or three series uh whereas you're talking and i've got the numbers in front of me sabrina had 163 episodes <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you asked me to name my favorite episode of Faulty Towers, for example, I could tell you, but that one, there's so many of them uh, that it's it's impossible, isn't it? No, it's the one with the Backstreet Boys, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or the one where um, she wants to go to, like, the CD signing, and her aunts, they go, they, like, are like, well, you can't go without us, so they make themselves young. I like that one, too. Yeah, Hillary and Zellery. Yeah. <laughs> And they like that one nerd falls in love with Zellery. <laughs> she thinks she can date him for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a little bit bizarre. And I I think the interesting thing as well. I mean, you mentioned earlier, kind of what did I see in the whole thing? Well, you know, she grew up with her aunts. It wasn't a traditional household, and I was kind of the same. I grew up with with my grandparents, so. Um, I I guess I related Mm -hmm. in that sense, the fact that, you know, there were these two kind of stable figures who weren't, um, I could be careful what I say here. Uh, They weren't, uh, you know, they weren't young, basically. Mm -hmm. They'd been around for a while and they had a lot of advice, a lot of which Sabrina never took any notice of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't help relating to that sometimes regard to the TGIF block, Sabrina might have been the first show to be like a non-traditional family too. Possibly, yeah. Oh no, I mean there was Full House. Sorry, they had like three guys going on. (laughs) Yeah. I, I only discovered that show recently and it's incredibly cute. I've maybe watched the first season. Um it's very cute. It was on Netflix for a while. Um, I love it when like stray American shows end up on Netflix and Amazon Prime because it's like I'm I'm having a I'm having a binge session tonight of this thing I've always heard of but never actually seen. That, so like, did you know who the Olsen twins were in the nineties? Well, I knew their names uh, because you know I watched yeah. Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. so they appeared on on things. 
um and and they made all those movies as well which <laughs> are fodder for you know afternoon viewing so this crush on melissa it lasted about only eight years what happened why did you break things off with her <laughs> What a great phrasing. I love this podcast. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what happened was, you know, I was probably about eight, nine, ten when I first saw the show, maybe, maybe a little bit younger. And by sort of 16, 17, 18, I left school to go to college. And you're, well, you, you'd call it, I mean, I know you guys call university college. Uh, so there's kind of this middle ground. So I went to this place and like I said before, it was all non-uniform and it kind of opened up the world a little bit because, you know, um, I was stepping out of that spe special needs education into more mainstream fare. And I, I guess, yeah, it, it opened the world because you'd be in the canteen, for example, and they'd have one of the music channels on. So you'd be exposed to all this stuff that you'd never seen before. You know, the latest music videos, which by 2006 were starting to get um, relatively racy in their, yeah, in, in their tone. Um, so I think that's that's possibly what happened. And of course, you know, um, the work doubled, tripled, quadrupled. You just become really busy. And I think I, I picked up the Melissa thing again, obviously, when she started doing Melissa and Joey. I'd heard about this thing and I thought, I'll go and watch this because I used to love her in that. And, you know, and I've seen her pop up in a couple of things you know when i've watched series like that 70s show for example which was a great um kind of departure uh but yeah i think it was just a um it was just moving into another phase of life really and so like melissa and joey you kind of moved in that phase with her a little bit didn't grow up well yeah and and then then she you know then it became the Melissa and Joey, we're a couple, this is weird, on, off, on, off show. Um, and it just got dafter and dafter. And, and it sounds kind of weird, but I guess because I was of a similar age, the, uh, the daughter in that show, um, whose name escapes me right now, I want to say her name was Lennox in the show. Yeah, you end up sort of crushing on her um at, at that moment it's almost like a passing of the torch if you will and i, I loved the little throwback to uh, clarissa as well well where they were like lennox explains it all and and uh melissa's like yeah that's very original um <laughs> so like um so you kind of did follow her career a little bit because i know how, like even though i don't love jonathan taylor thomas and devon sawa as you know anymore as much as i did when i was like eight or nine i still feel the need to sort of keep abs on them like i'll be like oh what are they doing today and i'll fall kind of be like are they working do you do that with melissa joan hart like did you watch her netflix show no good nick do you follow oh her? yeah yeah i watched that netflix show that was uh that was better than it had any right to be um i really enjoyed it um they've kind of left it in a place where it just can't come back 
unfortunately. But yeah, in answer to your question, I, I do follow her career. Um, I follow her on, on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And she actually tweeted me about 10 years ago um, during, during the London Olympics, which was bizarre because I wanted to know whether they were broadcasting the Paralympics in America. Because in 2012, there was this, you know, as, as it would be with being uh, broadcast here, here, you know, and staged here, uh, the Paralympics really blew up. And I just wondered whether America were experiencing that same thing. And she just tweeted me back because she said she was watching it. And she said, oh, it's on like a cable channel somewhere, you know, um, which was kind of disappointing because it's like, oh, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, to see this on mainstream TV, it really changed a lot of perceptions. But uh, to get that tweet was like, wow, you know, and and on and on such a bizarre subject as well. Did your heart burst? Did you, were you eight years old again? Like, oh my god! Quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was very. It kind of makes me laugh a little bit because she comes over here sometimes for for comic cons, but I don't really do that kind of thing I'd, I'd like to but a lot of them are staged too far away um because I'd, I'd love to just you know talk to her I, I interview people as you'll probably ask me about my own podcast and I'd love to speak to her myself um about her career and I, I what I love is kind of her perception of of English culture because um, I remember it was one of the Queen's jubilees one year, and they basically had this boat thing on a on a barge, right? And to be honest, it visually wasn't great. But she was like, "Oh, I love all the uh, I, I love the uh, tradition and the pageantry of it." And it's like, well, from a British perspective, it didn't really look that impressive. So it was kind of interesting, you know, to see that different perspective. Well, I think in America, we think everything over in London is like, and the UK is like really fancy. I, th I think so. And, and I think with that in mind, you know, the, the Melissa Joan Hart thing really kickstarted my love of American things. You know, um, like I said, I, I ended up from Sabrina going on to all sorts of different um different sitcoms and and other things sitcoms in particular and i think that's possibly where it started she was uh, your gateway drug to american <clears throat> sitcoms yeah yeah I, I think so and i've gone back and you know seen what has inspired you know what inspired that and where that came from it was a little bit like when we first saw fresh prince of bel-air mm -hmm. and what you don't realize as a person living in the UK is that before Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you had um, you had the Jeffersons, you had Sanford and Son, you had all of these programs that kind of had this moral at the end of it. You know, that formula was tried and tested. And you hear it's like, wow, you know, Fresh Prince is groundbreaking, but perhaps not as much as we we think it is because it's playing with the conventions of the traditional sitcom um you know especially the whole like we were saying that kind of dysfunctional family thing where they take one person and they put them in the situation for some reason i, I want to say my two dads at this point um you know things like that yeah america loves to just like take what works and keep doing it and yeah 
<laughs> yeah, and I really, as a creator myself, I love that approach to it. I love the fact that you go, right, okay, this worked last time. Uh, it worked last time when we had a bear living with a family. So why don't we have uh, four dogs and a horse this time? You know, like you, it's it's all very uh, formulaic, but I love it. It's it's great because there's always these subtle differences, and like I say, it started there. So even though it's only back to Melissa, yeah. Correct kind of gone away but you're keeping tabs i always end this portion asking guests what they would want their life to be like if in fact they got to date their crush so if you got to marry or date melissa joan hart or even sabrina if you want to go that route uh what would you imagine your life would be like with her oh i don't know i do you know i can't say i'd given it much thought because this kind of goes back to the you know uh it we saw things in a very kind of rose tinted very uh naive way but i i guess now i i suppose i suppose melissa being an actress you assume that you wouldn't see very much of her because she's so busy doing things she directs now um that's one thing and based on what i see she's very kind of um involved in her family which i which is something i always admired about all of the productions that she was involved in that there was always a member of her family either as a guest or behind the camera somewhere it's always uh you know that was always a really nice thing i think that's what made those shows so great um, as for Sabrina, I could never imagine that being a thing just because of the Harvey thing. You keep thinking, well, Harvey's going to be looking over your shoulder all the time. Just take out Harvey and like put yourself in his shoes. <laughs> well, that that is true, but I don't think I'm as... Uh, I know there was that episode where um, she used a thermometer to make him cool, but I <laughs> don't... I don't <laughs> that, that, uh, that scene where... Uh, where she she does it he just runs off he's like oh no you made him a hothead um just just got me uh but uh yeah i i'm not as cool as harvey to be honest um i i couldn't imagine it but uh, yeah perhaps um and she could be you know melissa not sabrina maybe both could be on your podcast because she's an absolute icon of the 90s i think and the odds because she continued to work so with that it's time to talk more about your podcast <laughs> so what sort of inspired you to start this podcast and was podcasting something you were involved in before you did this oh yeah yeah um i have been involved in podcasting for well, I've been involved in podcasting for about five years, maybe seven years. Uh, then previously to that, I was a radio presenter, like disc jockey type person. Um, and then I discovered speech radio and found no in that way. I guess if I moved to America, I could probably get on a small scale speech station. But alas, at this moment in time, it wasn't to be. So I went into podcasting. Um, tried different things I've done so many different podcast productions and then about a year ago on in July yes about a year ago I was just tweeting about one of my one of my other favorite Nickelodeon shows from the past Renford Rejects and I said I, I would love to interview cast members of the Renford Rejects about their time on the show you know because that show was about football and to be honest, the football wasn't what I was interested in. It was everything else. 
And I just felt like every interview I'd ever heard with the cast was like, oh, what's your favorite football team or whatever. So I just tweeted and half the cast got back to me and said, we want to, you know, I'd love to speak to you. And I'm thinking, I've got no podcast (laughs) that you would fit on because I was doing a vintage podcast about like 50s, 60s and 70s stuff. I was doing like one about um, people's passions, but I had nothing that kind of fit the bill, you know maybe I could have squeezed them into my my um, podcast about the rock band status quo but that would have been pushing it mm-hmm. uh, but I, I so I created 90s and noughties basically to, to interview members of the Renford Rejects cast and from there uh, it ballooned and before I knew it I was interviewing um, kids tv presenters including one of my all-time heroes a guy called Fred Dinage who my 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 family every time I rang them up uh, I I said oh I, I booked an interview this week and Fred Dinage is a legend right he's been around for like 50 60 years um, in the industry and he's a news anchor here mm-hmm. and my family would always say to me oh are you interviewing Fred Dinage this week mm-hmm. no are you interviewing Fred Dinage this week no and then one day I just happened to be talking to another guest and he said, you know, I can contact Fred Dinage for you. I'm like, oh, okay. And since then, it's kind of morphed into, we just play fun games, really. Um, we just play fun games. We do celebrity birthdays. There's a couple of other more dice things that, that I want to do. We just wanted to celebrate uh, 90s pop culture and in particular, UK uh, 90s pop culture because there there were a lot of um, podcasts dedicated uh, in, including your partners dedicated to kind of American pop culture and I was like but we had our stuff too you know um, Sabrina wasn't just on Disney Channel or, or um, you know TGIF or Nickelodeon she was also on ITV at lunchtime on a Thursday afternoon, you know, presented by Stephen Mulhern. Um, I, I wanted to put a different slant on it, and that's kind of how it began, completely by accident. You know, Americans like to believe that our pop culture is the world pop culture. Like, everybody loves Friends, and that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, I I once heard, I'm only just discovering Friends, to be honest. I watched a few years ago, uh, but I have the Blu-ray box set and I'm watching them through. It's only taken me about five years to watch the first two seasons. So at some point, and my wife has seen all of them several times and occasionally we'll be watching something and she'll say, oh, Friends did that first. What did they do first? Oh, I can't tell you. Um, You know, that type of thing. Um, but I I don't know whether you remember, there was a YouTuber a few years ago called Pause Dart 90s. And he did like these uh, viral videos. And I remember I, I nearly had him on my radio show, actually, at the time, which would have been amazing. But I remember saying to, to him in public, I'd love to do like a UK version of, of what he does. You know, like these 90s viral things talking about 90s stuff. And someone replied with what you just said. The USA was was 90s pop culture, not UK. And it's like, well, fine, but, you know, 
we didn't watch Alf in the afternoons. We watched The Broom Cupboard. You know, uh, this kind of slight, slight different variation. You know.、Mm-hmm. So you were a radio DJ as well, now podcaster. Did you ever watch Frasier? Good, good. I'm hoping there's talks of it being rebooted, and I'm hoping he comes back as a podcaster and tries to like make it in that realm in the new version. Oh, that I mean, that would be amazing. Although I'm not a massive fan of when they do that. It's like in the new Rugrats, they、oh. decided they decided to make Stu a gamer, and it's it's like, well, he was an inventor. Isn't that you know he was an intelligent guy, and I'm not saying that gamers aren't intelligent. I'm just saying it's 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 not a like for like swap.、Mm-hmm. I But you don't see too many that are like of the aughts, or you guys call them the noughties. What made you want to combine the decades? I guess because when I was like, well, it, in the year two thousand, I was ten years old, right? So that's kind of slap bang in the middle of childhood,、mm-hmm. and I guess. Uh, for me, kind of the peak years of being interested in pop culture were between 1997 and 2002. Maybe a tiny little bit afterwards, maybe up to about 2005. And so it just seemed to me that that was the best thing to do. And the thing is, I, I think in radio terms, I was possibly one of the first, certainly in online radio, to do it because I used to have. A radio show called the Millennium Years, and we played music between 1995 and 2005, and this was in 2013, and that seemed like a crazy idea. It was almost too early to be doing、yeah. <laughs> like noughties nostalgia, but up to 2005, by 2013, it already seemed like a completely different world.、Yeah. Um, whereas. Now you know we do talk about something from say 2009 because it's over a decade ago.、Uh, so that that's what made me want to do it. It was a combination of having already done that radio show and being slightly ahead of the curve, and because obviously for me it's like ideal time. I can relate the most to that kind of transition. Because when you're a, a kid, you don't think, "Oh, we're going from one decade to another." It's just kind of, you know, '99 and 2000 are the same thing. So, really quick, we're going to do a quick rundown of your couple, like a favorite from each decade, well, each ten years. So, your favorite '90s movie. Favorite '90s movie. I'll try and be quick. Don't worry. <laughs>、uh, let's let's see.、Um, favorite '90s. Movie. See, I'm not really much of a film goer, so I will be really boring at this point, and I will say Forrest Gump. That's a good one.、Um, yeah. Favorite Naughty's actor. Favorite Naughty's actor. Oh, okay.、Uh, let's go. With, I mean, I I have enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of what Ricky Gervais was doing in that decade, so I'll say Ricky Gervais at this point. Nineties musician. Nineties musician. Okay, um, that's a single musician, right? Or a band. It could be a band too. It can be a band. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Okay, so um, can 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 I have a boy band here? Yes. Okay,、Please. I'll say Boyzone at this point. Um, who are an Irish boy band? 
Okay. Um, Naughty's TV show. Oh, my God. There's so many of them, aren't there? So many Naughty's TV shows. At this point, I'm going to say the um, a show called The Inbetweeners, um, which was this amazing... They remade it for MTV, but it was rubbish. Um, but the UK Inbetweeners is... Uh, it, it just sums up those kind of boyish feelings that you have between secondary and and uh, and beyond check that out um 90s food 90s food oh my goodness i mean i <laughs> used to love like potato waffles um i don't know whether that's very 90s um <laughs> And I, I had um, flaming hot Cheetos for the first time the other day. I remember having Cheetos back in the day. I'll say that. Naughty's trend, so like a hair trend, a fashion trend, or just like something that was trendy in the naughties. Trendy in the naughties. Now, the the crew cut was quite big for a while, wasn't it? With everyone just cut their hair completely <laughs> off, and I always thought that looked really cool. <laughs> and lastly, nineties toy. Nineties toy my goodness okay um there was this weird board game called wacky washer <laughs> which which was really stupid and i think i got it for my birthday one year and then you as a kid you start putting stupid stuff in it it was just this weird thing that, like span around it was like a washing machine game thing and that was pretty cool i'm gonna have to look that up i don't think we have that one here <laughs> <laughs> wacky washer so on top of your podcast and everything, you're also a writer for Old Time Review. And this site, this is 90s and also it goes way back. It goes like the 30s. How'd you get involved with that site? Okay, so I actually created that site. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my wife and I uh, write, write on that. Um, we, we kind of created it because as well as a passion for the 90s and noughties, I also... Um, have always loved vintage i mean my my love kind of started as i said watching a lot of those vintage um things and about three years ago i started watching american game shows from the 50s 60s and 70s and uh, i give a brief shout out here to elizabeth montgomery who is amazing on those game shows including password and that really inspired us to to start old time review and from there we review music um, I work with certain record labels and stuff to kind of review uh, new releases of old material. We do podcasts on there. Um, it's just great fun. And it's great to be able to indulge in one of my passions in that way. I was going to say, like, I thought I was a nostalgia junkie, but you have, you're just covering all the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid I'm a little bit of a, a jack of all trades, master of none kind of a deal. So, can you tell us what you have coming up in the upcoming months later this summer on 90s and noughties? Well, at the, at the moment, uh, depending on when this episode is going out, uh, I'm taking a break, although I've just had a chat with an author about 90s Nickelodeon, which was fun. Um, that was uh, that was great fun. So maybe I'm not taking a break. Um, I, I do a lot of YouTube stuff with 90s and noughties. I do like taste tests and album reviews and stuff. So I'll probably just keep doing those. And then later in the summer, we'll come back with a new series. I'm trying to get uh, guests on. So Melissa, if you are listening, 
um, we can we can do that. Um, basically, yeah, that's that's it. it. It would just be organizing stuff, and I'm hoping to get more guests on, hoping to um, invent more games as well. I love playing the games on there. They seem to be the most popular part of it. Just weird, like yes, no, twenty question type things, and people love it. The last episode of the season that I've just finished was basically us playing celebrity birthdays for 30 minutes and it was it was fun you know and but i i couldn't do it all the time i liked the variety so yeah that, that's what's coming up well jamie can you tell melissa and everyone else listening where they can find you online <laughs> cool well uh so 90s and noughties uk is available from all podcast providers uh you can also uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, it's just 90s and Naughties UK. And on Twitter, nine, at 90s, n, that's N Naughties, the uh, N O U G H T I E S UK on Twitter. So there we are. That is how you can, um, that's how you can find it. Well, Melissa John Hart, take note. And Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about your childhood crush today. And everyone, you can find all of Jamie's information in the description below. And until next time, keep crushing it. <laughs>